good morning. All right, thank you so much, worship team. It is incredible to be here this morning. Uh, I want to begin, though, my time. Corey uh, leaned into this a little bit during his prayer, but uh, just to uh, acknowledge and for us to have a, a time of prayer, certainly uh, we're all aware of what took place uh, through the Hendersonville, Gallatin, and Clarksville areas of our community overnight, and to my understanding, I think even uh, six uh, lives were lost during the storms. Uh, First Baptist Hendersonville, I know, was unable to meet today for worship, and, and so I think it would be fitting for us to just take a time and, uh, and give thanks for our safety and pray for those through the storms. Let's pray together. Father, we do, uh, we love you, and we thank you that we're able to gather this morning. We take time to be reminded, uh, Father, that you kept us safe through the storms, and time and time again how you have. But, Father, also to consider those who that was not the case, that um, suffered damage to home, and certainly those who lost family or friends. And, but, God, we pray that they would be lifted up uh, through your strength and in the hands of your church in those communities. God, may, may your light be shown in that dark time. And we ask for, for comfort and healing for them in Christ's name. Amen. Well, on a, on a far more positive note, let me uh, also share, as I mentioned last week, uh, an update on our blessings offering that we collected several weeks ago. Uh, you gave to that, as I mentioned, uh, just uh, in, in incredibly uh, supportive. We were able to give more than $26,000 uh, to more than 32 mission partners and families uh, to support them and to just give them uh, a blessing during the Christmas season and tell them that, that, that we acknowledge their sacrifice and all they're doing for the kingdom of God. The, those gifts went not only in our community, uh, but Ohio, South Dakota, California, uh, Nigeria, Moldova, uh, literally all across the globe. And that was made possible by your sacrifice and your gift. So thank you so much. And it was, uh, and as those continue to, as people continue to receive those gifts, such a blessing uh, to them. Well, also, I'm just going to keep on with the announcement thing, but last Sunday was an incredible evening. Thank you so much for everyone who participated uh, and for those who, who served. It took so many people uh, to pull that night off, and uh, Terry finally sang the greatest Christmas song of all time, and I, I had no idea, so, so thank you for that gift uh, as well. Uh, our worship ministry, uh, man, my goodness, they have been active all weekend, uh, going and caroling and nursing homes and uh, skilled care facilities. I think even today, uh, maybe have a group going out or an upcoming group Wednesday uh, this week. So our worship ministry, thank you so much for that and for your heart to serve. Um, one other note, I learned at this time last year uh, through our staff that uh, the statement was made, it's not Christmas at Northside until David breaks out his red sweater, all right? Um, which is code word for, brother, we realize you have worn the same two red sweaters every Christmas for the past six years, right? Uh, so I just want you to know, I went shopping last year uh, after everything went on sale, and then I got me a new sweater, right? So I'm going to get a, a good uh, six to ten years out of this, uh, Andy Bird. So uh, now I've got a whole other one in the rotation, um, but you better believe old Red will be back next Sunday, I guarantee you that, because so, uh, I've only got the three now. 
and we got three weeks. Um, Corey also mentioned Sunday, uh, December 31st, uh, we are going to have a combined uh, service, just meaning our, our times are going to be combined at 10. We'll still have our little kids and kids worship going on that day, but I hope you'll be here for that special time as we share in communion together, and what an incredible way just to, to close out our year and launch a new year, and, and I hope to have some uh, special information uh, and exciting things to share with you in regards uh, to what is on the horizon for Northside in the days and years ahead, and that, to my knowledge, affects no that is no staff changing or anything like that uh, that may be good news or bad news to some I don't know I'm just telling you it's not that uh, but hope to share some great news well this time last year if you were with us uh, we were actually in the book of Revelation you remember that in the Christmas season right we devoted all of 2022 to walking together through the New Testament and so this year 2023 uh, has been nearly basically exclusively devoted to the Old Testament we've been. And so it is certainly fitting for us today to find ourselves and to close out this year in the book of Isaiah. Uh, the book of Isaiah is from the prophet Isaiah, and it actually has more prophecy about Christ than any other Old Testament book. In fact, because of that, all, uh, Isaiah is often referred to as the evangelical prophet because of, of how much that God spoke through him about the coming of Jesus Christ, our Messiah. And so then Isaiah 9, 6, I believe, gives us, out of all the 66 uh, chapters uh, in the book of Isaiah, I believe it, it gives us one of the, the greatest portraits of the purpose of Jesus, and not only within its book, but really within the entire Bible. But what did Jesus come for? Why, why did he come to this earth? And so with that said, then let's look at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 together. You can open your Bibles or you can find it in the church app this morning. A familiar passage, and especially during the Christmas season. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. Now, I'm going to pause there this morning, and though it continues on, because each week through the rest of December, what we're going to do is we're going to primarily focus on the two descriptors, if you will, that are given about Jesus in regard to Jesus, his purpose and ministry within this text. Now, today, I'm going to spend a little uh, additional time kind of giving the, the background and historicity of it as well, but, but each week, we're going to look at those two descriptors. This prophecy then coming from the, the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him to man at that time and for us today, took place nearly 700 years before the manger scene ever came to be. It was before the, both the northern and southern kingdoms. You remember the kingdom of Israel split. You had Israel to the north and Judah to the, to the south. And before it was ever even destroyed, Isaiah was speaking these prophecies. It was also at a unique time in, in, in the life of Judah in the fact that it was uh, following the reign of King Uzziah. Now, King Uzziah was, was a great king for Judah. He, he uh, uh, entered the throne at the age of 16, and he reigned there for more than 52 years. During his reign, Judah was very blessed. He really established their agriculture, and uh, they prospered well uh, under his kingship, and because of that, the, the people loved him, and he was a faithful man of God during his reign as well. He was then uh, followed by his son, Jotham, 
And Jotham was very much like his father, though he didn't reign quite as long. And he also did, the Bible says, what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But then he had a son by the name of Ahaz. And Ahaz eventually became king of Judah as well. And, and Ahaz, well, well, let's just say, though, he had a lot of the traits and characteristics of his family. He wasn't exactly his granddaddy and his daddy, right? He, he didn't exactly do all things to, to please the Lord. And so the, the prophet Isaiah then comes to King Ahaz during his reign, and, and he warns him about a coming judgment that would come both through the, the Assyrians as well as the Babylonians in the future, but in, the, but, but in the midst of all of that, he said, but, but you don't have to be afraid. We just have to trust in God. Well, following that then, Isaiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 10, shares this. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. Remember now, as he was speaking to King Ahaz, he was speaking to him through this prophet Isaiah. Verse 11, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as High as heaven. Now, I'm going to take you back to our forever series. Do you remember I said everywhere uh, either hell or heaven is referenced in the Bible? Sheol, hell, the abyss is always down beneath, lower, and heaven is always above and to the highest. And so we see that here again, as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Now, on the surface here, Ahaz uh, sounds to be a, a good guy, right? I mean, in essence, he's saying, I'm not going to test God. But what you have to understand about this passage is he was actually choosing to put his hope, his faith, his trust in the Assyrian army and into their strength, and in doing so, not trust in God. Certainly not, not wait for him. He, he didn't want to wait. He was told that his sign would be, hey, there's going to be a child born, and when the child is born, you, you'll know that God is with you. Well, in Ahaz's mind, that takes at least nine months. We understand the gestation period, and I ain't waiting on it. Right now, I got these, 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 these enemies that are all around us right now. We've got to side with someone for some strength. So rather than waiting and, and, and siding with the strength of God, he, he chooses the Assyrian nation and the strength of, of their armies. Now, when it talks about here, when, when God speaks to Isaiah and he talks about this son being bored, there's, there's a lot of debate about this passage. Some believe that it was referring to a child that would be born within that time, within that kind of nine-month period that, that he would be able to see. And others, of course, understand it to be the prophetic verse of Jesus who would be born to the Virgin Mary. But the truth is, many believe, most scholars would agree that, that both are true. That this is uh, one of the prophecies in, in, in Scripture that is referred to as, as a dual fulfillment. Right? Meaning, meaning this, it will be fulfilled uh, in the short term, uh, near time, and also a long-term uh, fulfillment that would happen in the future as well. It's kind of like if you remember when we were in our study in the minors and we opened up in the book of Joel. Remember, and I said there that, that, that Joel spoke and talked about the, the day of the Lord and the spirit and strength of the Lord that would come, and that had a dual fulfillment. It was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost when, when Peter spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit and, and all the different dialects and languages and the tongues of fire came down. There was a fulfillment at that time. 
But the ultimate fulfillment will be in Revelation chapter 16 when it talks about the, the Armageddon that will come and the strength and power of God. So it was fulfilled at one point, but it will ultimately be full, completely fulfilled in the future. So many believe that this also has that, that dual purpose or dual fulfillment, if you will, in, in Scripture. The early fulfillment then, people believe, was likely speaking to the birth of Isaiah's second son. You'll find that passage in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 3 when he says, I was then intimate with the prophetess, that was his wife, by the way, okay, the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said to me, name him Meher Shalal Hashbaz. Now, if there's any pregnant ladies here today uh, and you're just looking for that name that's not on every list out there on Google search, you know, man, here is your kid, right? Um, now, if it's a girl, that'd be super weird. But, but if you're having a boy, you know, it may, maybe it'll fit. I don't know. That, by the way, is Nick Mobley's favorite name in the entire Bible. Just a little word of wisdom. So perhaps it was the early fulfillment then of the birth of his child. But certainly, as Matthew opens his gospel and gives his account in Matthew chapter 1, certainly it is speaking to the nativity, if you will, or the, the birth of the Messiah. In Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together, meaning she was still a virgin, that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Which prophet? The prophet Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel. Now, Matthew gives us uh, some additional information there following the, his quote of Isaiah and says, and that name Emmanuel means God is with us. So regardless of what Ahaz understood, and certainly he would not have been able to wrap his mind around the, the, the coming of the Messiah 700 years down the road, he couldn't even go that far. He was certainly, almost certainly just considering, hey, I'm not waiting on a child to be born. Either way, it was not what he wanted to hear. And so instead, he went with the Assyrians. And so what we have then in, in verse 6 of chapter 9 in Isaiah here is this, this climactic answer, if you will, to the, to the reason for the nation of the Jews, for the Jewish hope. Look how it opens up there. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders now, now let, let's just uh, let's take that out and kind of tease this out for just a second. It, it opens up and it says, a child will be born for us. This is a statement about the, the humanity of Jesus, right? Now, Jesus began life on earth like any other human, as an infant. But this child was different from, from any other because this child was born for us, for us, and, and ultimately for all. He, see, he was born for a purpose. 
That purpose which the the angel would proclaim to the shepherds out in the field in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. Can you imagine the shepherds hearing that? For me? Yes, for you. A Savior was born for you who is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Every year, you know, I I remind us at this time that that old cliche, Jesus is the reason for the season. Great statement, right? Leave the bumper stickers on your car. I'm not not telling you, yank them out. Great statement. But I also remind us, but remember that, that's a statement from our perspective. From our perspective, we, we celebrate this time because Jesus came, right? But the Bible teaches that from God's perspective, you are the reason for the season. He was born swaddled in that cloth and and laid in that manger for you, for us. A child will be born for us and a son will be given to us. Here we we see when it talks about a son given to us, we we see Jesus' deity uh, proclaimed here, that he is God's one and God's only son. And God chose to take his one and only son and give him as a gift to us. Y'all couldn't help but think this time of year, just like everybody else here, I'm sure, man, we've got presents stacked under the trees. Do y'all? Did you hear multiple trees, by the way? Not not just the one tree. Uh, Trees. Any other multi-tree families in the house? Uh Yeah, and and presents under every one of them, right? Like just everywhere. Got presents all over the place, right? Uh, Every one of those presents... Bought and paid for. And by the way, you know, that's two different things. Bought and paid for, right? Don't, don't get into a bunch of debt at Christmas time and then spend the rest of the year. Try, just bought and paid. Two different things, different message, another day. Bought and paid for, right? Wrapped up and waiting. You know, sometimes under our channel, but you guys, we even have those presents. Uh, they are the just-in-case presents, right? Uh, maybe it's a unisex gift, or maybe we got one for a boy, one for a girl, you know, and that kind of thing. And they're just there, they're wrapped up. There's no name on them because that's just in case someone shows up we forgot about or we didn't know they were coming, or, you know, and you've got that go-to, right? So, oh, hey, yeah, I knew you were coming, right? And so you give it to them. So, so we even have some of those. Not this year, I don't think, but, but, but we have in years past. Um, but out of all those presents, all those presents, none of them are a gift. Not yet. They're they're just presents under the tree. It's not a gift until we give it to that person. And even then, it's not a gift until that person receives it. I mean, if they reject it, it's just going to stay under the tree. If they don't show up to the party, they ain't getting it, right? We we, we enjoyed ourselves. (laughs) You got to come to get a gift to the Bramble House, right? Um, (laughs) But it's got to be given to you. And it's got to be received by you. That's what makes it a gift. And friends, Jesus, yes, he was born for you. He was born for us. He was born for all. But he's only a gift to those who receive him. Without receiving him, he's no gift at all. And of this gift, it says the the government will be on his shoulders. I love that, man. This is a reminder in Scripture that, that, that Jesus answers to no authority on earth. Oh, that, now imagine the statement in that. I mean, you're talking about Rome. And I mean, my goodness. And, and yet that reminder that, that there is no government that is above him. All of the governments of this world rest on his shoulders. He, he answers to no one. Which, by the way, is why he was silent before his accusers. 
Isaiah prophesied about that in Isaiah 53, 7. You remember when Jesus was before Pilate and he accused him and tried to prod him to, to give me the answers. And what did Jesus do? He, he remained silent. Why? Because he answers to no authority. He's God. But then following that meeting with Pilate, he bore on his shoulders, those same shoulders, the, the weight of the sin of this world when on those shoulders he carried your cross and he carried my cross. He carried our cross. Why? Because he was born for a purpose. And that baby was laid in that manger only to walk to a cross and carry it the entire way. What was the purpose for him to defeat sin? Not for himself. He never sinned. But for us. Who did? For us. And to those who do receive him. The text says he, he is wonderful. And, and he is counselor. Now what you need to understand as we look at this text today and, and for the next few weeks. These two words, these descriptors if you will. They're nouns, not adjectives. Now, we read that today. He's a, a wonderful counselor, and he is. But they're not, it's not an adjective. A wonderful is not describing the other. They're actually both nouns, which is why, if you notice, they're also both capitalized because they're both nouns describing Christ. They're what we refer to as a dual name, meaning this, they are true independently and they are true together also. Um, much like uh, you may refer to me, uh, for, for me, I am a teacher-preacher. Right? Both statements are true. I am a teacher. I teach the Word of God. I am a preacher. I proclaim and, and preach and herald the Word of God. Both are true independently. Both are true together because they describe my style of preaching, if you will. Right? There are all kinds of styles. Some are motivator preachers. Right? I just want to come in and make you feel good. And usually they stay as far away from the Bible as they can. But nonetheless, you know, there's that type of preacher. There's the beater preacher. You know, the preacher just, just, just beat you over. You walk out here just feeling horrible about yourself, right? I uh, just want to beat you down, right? Uh, and often it's because they want to make themselves feel so much better. Right? But, but then you got the beater preacher. you got the storyteller preachers, you know, just tell stories. All these things, right? And that's fine to each their own, but it kind of describes their style. Well, for me, that would be, I believe, teacher, preacher. And, and that's what we have here then in these two nouns that are true independently, yet also work together to describe the person of Christ. Jesus is, it says, wonderful. That word there for wonderful in the Hebrew, it, for them, we, we would say, he's awesome, right? Uh, he's wondrous. You know, that, that's us today. Uh, for them, you would also see that used word to describe the, the miraculous that took place is that same word. Just like we are told when we pray, we are to say, hallowed or, or holy be your name. What are we describing there? That, that he is a one of a kind. There is no other. Only he deserves that glory. Another word for wonderful is, is glorious. God alone is glorious. John chapter 1 and verse 14 in his opening says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and also of truth. He alone is, is wonderful, is glorious, but he is also counselor. The one who is full, who is from the father and is full of grace and absolute truth, he is our counselor. 
Now, that word counselor is just what you would think it would be. It's a word for a guide or a helper, one who, who, who helps you through things or gives you guidance through situations. Now, to, to the people of Judah, you've got to remember their, their perspective. They had trusted in a king whom they loved, Uzziah, and it was very good for him. And he listened to the prophets and, and followed God. It was followed by his son, then Jotham. But, but then Ahaz took over. And he, they had followed Ahaz as they had his father and his grandfather, only Ahaz did not seek wise counsel. And so instead, then, he, he aligned them not only with the Assyrian nation, the Assyrian military, but also Ahaz allowed the gods of the Assyrians to come into Judah as well, even into the temple of God. And so what they, what, what they recognize is there's not, not all counsel is good counsel. Hey, listen, our world today is full of counsel, amen? Uh, you, you, you can find it. You can easily find counsel for whatever you desire. That's one of our biggest struggles in, in ministry is people will, will find others that agree with their uh, errant philosophy and choices in life that are very unbiblical, and yet they'll use that and say, well, this person says it's okay. This person says it's good. This group, you know, this organization believes that, that this is healthy for me. It's easy to find that today. And what they're doing is you're either seeking out people that just say what you want to hear or just someone you want to align with rather than seeking out God's counsel, rather than seeking out perfect wisdom, knowledge, and counsel. And so I remind people, listen, I don't get financial advice from broke people. Amen? You ain't got no money. I don't want to hear it. You got millions? Talk to a brother. You know what I mean? Uh, tithe to a brother. Uh, but but you know, I, I, that's, who, that's who you want to seek counsel. If you got, you know, I, I want to hear from that, right? That's like the, the shop teacher that, you know, you got to shake his hand that, you know, it looks all, you know, like, like he doesn't have any, you know, right? There's a reason he's not in carpentry anymore, right? You don't go to a toothless dentist, do you? Not at all, right? You want that person to remind you, floss your teeth, right? Uh, but not necessarily being a living example, right? But, we, but that's what we do. We, we seek out counsel too often of just the ones that we're going to say what it is that, that we want to hear. See, bad counsel is when even well-intended people sometimes just, just tell you what you want to hear or maybe even just simply what they want to say instead of what you need to be told. And by the way, we all need friends in our life. We all need those close friends that, that are like that. Guys, that, you need a man in your life that can call you to the carpet and say, Brother, you're wrong. Brother, you better go back to your wife. Brother, you better change your ways. Brother, hey, listen, you better go ask forgiveness, even of your kids. Men, we need somebody like that in our lives. Lady, y'all need that too. I'm going to say it more kindly. You need that lady in your life who would be willing to tell you, don't you wear that. <laughs> uh-uh. That, that, your husband, hey, a man can say that, but you need that. You know what I'm saying? That lady and your wife is going to call it out and say, listen, this is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. We, we all need that from man, but, but certainly we need that from God. And we, we, we look in the Old Testament, and I know we often say, man, that would have been cool back then. It wouldn't have. God was speaking through prophets. How awesome is that? But what about today? Well, today, how much greater that it's not just one prophet that God is speaking to and through, but instead he gave us the Holy Spirit to dwell in all believers 
Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. He said this, if you love me, who's he talking to? He's talking to believers, those who have received the truth, the gospel. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Jesus was, was leaving. He was their counselor while he was on earth, and he knew what was about to take place on the cross, and, and he was going to ascend into heaven. He said, but listen, something even far greater is coming. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever, for always. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or, or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. You know, as believers, when, when you receive the gospel, when you, when you truly trust Jesus as your Savior, you'll never sin the same again, will you? You, when you do those things, there's going to be a conviction. That conviction's coming from the, from the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, because he's with you and, and he's with you. That, that perfect counselor, that, that, that guide for life is with you. And, and can I say this too? You can't know his will apart from his word. All right? You, you hear me? Uh, if you really want, well, what does God want for my life in this? Get in his word. You'll find it real quick. He'll, he'll guide you there. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the, for the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, double-edged sword. Well, what's he saying? Hey, listen, when you get into the word of God and you, and you seek God, God, I need your counsel for this. I'm going to tell you, those, those, those pages in that book are going to act like a scalpel in your life. And it's going to get to cutting on you. And it's going to cut out the, 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 the temptation, the, the, the things of the world. It's going to do a work in your life and, and through your life. Which is why Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable, meaning it's good for you. It's profitable for, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So we can be made complete to fulfill our purpose and be equipped for every good work that he has for us. Listen, he is your counselor. That, that Holy Spirit dwells in you. He is the, the perfect counsel. And he has given us this, this book, his word, to guide you. But the question is, will, will you turn to it? See, the wonderful counselor was both for us and it was given to us. But have we received it? I can remember um, Christmas time when I was a kid. You know, at my house, um, my parents, you know, they, they were good, good to us. And, you know, gave, we, we got Christmas there. I'm not going to do some poor preacher story. Uh, we got stuff. But my family was frugal. But, I mean, they, they were, we didn't get a lot of stuff. We got a little bit of stuff, okay? Um, but we had friends. You know, your rich friends, you know, they got stuff. <laughs> I, and I had some family members out in Texas. <whistles> Man. They got stuff for Christmas. Like we were more excited about getting up with them to go play with their stuff than we were our own stuff. You know, that kind of like they. And I can remember as a, as a child, because uh, adults would never do this. That you know, that, that would be coveting. We don't do that, right? But I remember as a, as a child, kind of laying in bed at night. It's Christmas Eve. You begin to think about what, what would it be like to go to sleep at their house tonight. Man, to, to wake up and they, they were, their kids were already talking about the stuff they were going to get and, and it was a, you know, they were going to really get it. Too. We were dreaming and hoping and praying about things that we likely would never get. They were going to get it. And I remember thinking, man, what would it be like to be in that family? 
How cool would, would Christmas Eve, Christmas Day be to, to be born into that house? But I wasn't. I wasn't in their family. Jesus came for us so that in him we might become the sons and daughters of God to share in his glory and receive his counsel. See, he, he was born for us and Jesus was, was given to us. And friends, I want to tell you what, when we really wrap our minds around that, when we really begin to understand that's what Christmas is, it's not just celebrating a birth, but it's, it's acknowledging what that birth is, that, that he was a gift to me, that he is perfect, that, that he is glorious, that, that he is wonderful, and he is mine, and he is my counselor. I'm telling you, we wrap our minds really around that. Every problem in life that you face, it'll take on a new perspective. Every trial, every temptation, it, it will be within his shadow. He was for us. He came as the son of God. He came with a purpose to conquer sin and death, not his own, but ours. He came for us. And this Christmas, I just wonder, would you take hold of that? Would you wrap your mind, your, your heart, your, your souls around that? He's for you if you'll receive him. Let's pray. Father, how do we truly comprehend, God, that Jesus, you were there in the beginning. You walked the streets of gold. You sat on the throne and, and dwelt with the Father in heaven. You created this world and watched it crumble to the sin of man. And yet, you still chose to come. To come back, not for the world, but for us. Help us, God, just to, to wrap our minds around that, to, to truly comprehend why we celebrate Christmas, because you came for me. God, if there's anyone here today who's not taken hold of that, who's not received the gift that it's wrapped up, man, it's under the tree. You've extended it to them. They've just not taken hold of it. I pray right now, this moment, they would embrace it as the greatest gift they've ever received and ask you, Jesus, you alone, to save them from their sins. Help us to, as believers to, to live a life that, that shows the world the one whose shoulders bore our sin, the one whose shoulders bear every government of this world. You came for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.